Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about heartbreak. And before I begin, no, Kim and I are not in trouble. (laughs) Despite how often we argue about chores or logistics, we are in fact very happy, so this is not about us. But the topic came up because someone requested it through my Instagram account. They had sent me a message asking for tips on how to process the heartbreak that they were going through. And for that reason, I thought that it would be good to do an episode on breakups and the tips for what I did in the past to heal from my, albeit two very toxic relationships. And regardless of whether or not you went through a toxic relationship yourself, or it was a mutual ending of a relationship, whatever it was, a heartbreak is still a loss. So how do we process those losses and heal our hearts? So that'll be today's episode. And it's true that Kim and I have been together for 13 years at this point, as of the making of this episode, but I do still clearly remember what it was like getting my heart broken, going through a breakup, how sick to my stomach I would feel, how I would have a really hard time eating and sleeping, and I was just an absolute mess. And so those emotions are very strong, and they stay with you for quite a while. So if that's some place that you're in right now in your own emotional journey, I hope that you find this episode helpful. And I want to start by telling you a little bit of the background of each of the two major heartbreaks that I had in my life. I mean, full disclosure, I had more than two relationships (laughs) uh, throughout my teens and 20s, but there are two major relationships that I had that kind of left me in a total mess when the relationships were ending. And so the first one, this person, we had started dating when I was about 14 years old, which is very young. And we continued to date on and off until I was 20. I believe the last time that we broke up was in March of 2003. (laughs) So I would have been 19 going on 20 that year. And so it's a long relationship. It was my first long relationship, and it was very dramatic, as only teen love can be. Thought maybe we were going to be together forever, even though there were clear signs that this was an incredibly toxic, dysfunctional relationship. (laughs) And it's funny to me now, because I can't imagine feeling those feelings in that capacity. I guess there's really just no replacement for being, you know, 16 and in love, so to speak. And so... I wouldn't go back. (laughs) Let's just be clear. I don't enjoy that feeling or those those kind of energetic exchanges anymore. I'm much happier with what I have now, but it's it's kind of the stuff of teenage drama. And so a lot of us go through that. We have our first major love. We fall in love with someone really hard. We tolerate a lot of things in the relationship that we would not normally tolerate if we had any sort of self-worth, which I absolutely did not at age 16. I was very depressed and in a really terrible space mentally, emotionally. I didn't have anyone in my life modeling healthy relationships for me, so I pretty much just let this person do whatever they wanted and walk all over me, and it was a pretty terrible experience. (laughs) 
to be honest. And if you're like, how bad was it, Corey? No, really, like, how bad were you in this relationship? Well, let me give you a good example of how bad it was. So I think I was 16 years old at the time of this particular incident, but they had a parent who would go to work for the third shift and a parent who would go to work for first shift. And so there was a window in which no one was home and I could sneak into the house. And I did this, except that how I did this was insane (laughs) and absolutely proves that I had no parental supervision at this time. But essentially, I climbed into the trunk of this person's car and I rode across town in the trunk of the car. And what's so crazy about this to me is because had they been in an accident, if anyone had rear-ended them, like, I would have been dead. Like, I would have been dead in the trunk, and they would have been left trying to explain why <laughs> why they had a dead person in their car. And like, no, no, officer, she was still alive when she got in there. And so everything about it is absolutely insane. But yes, I climbed into the trunk of this person's car, let them drive me across town, waited in the trunk of their car until their mother went to work, and then snuck into the house so that we could be together for the night. And I did this more than once. In fact, I got so good at it that I had like a trunk bag. The problem was, or where it kind of reached an all-time low, was one night they fell asleep and left me in the trunk all night long. And I had to unlock the trunk, let myself out. I went up to their window. I tried tapping, knocking on it, trying to wake them up to remind them that I was outside. And they didn't get up. And I ended up having to pee in the yard because I had been in this trunk for probably, what, 12 hours at this point, eight hours at this point. I don't remember, but it was a very long time and I needed to use the bathroom. So another low is not only was I forgotten in the trunk, but I had no bathroom and had to use it in the yard like a dog. And it was absolutely thunderstorming, pouring rain. And so this is pretty clear, I hope, to you that this was not a healthy relationship. This was by no means the kind of relationship you would wish for anyone. And yet I not only forgave this person, but we ended up getting back together later. And so that just gives you a pretty good sense of kind of the violations that I tolerated in self-respect during this first relationship because I myself was not even remotely healed. I had not even begun my own healing journey, so this was still very much in the trauma-drama perpetual cycle that people who are unhealed are going through. When I did finally start moving away from this person emotionally, mentally, and physically, just the breakup became a more complete thing, that one was a little bit hard because what I was mostly dealing with at that point in time were patterns. So obviously I had had a pattern for many years in which this person would do something and I would forgive them and we would get back together. When I had kind of reached a breaking point in which I didn't like who I was with them and I also didn't want to be with them anymore. And we broke up. Mostly what I was dealing with was not the heartbreak of losing them, but the difficulty of trying to break my own habits. There is an aspect of heartbreak that some of us will be facing in which mostly the work is looking at ourselves, looking at what we do in relationships that keeps us stuck, that keeps us feeling low, that keeps us from loving ourselves, from taking care of ourselves, and establishing boundaries. Obviously, as you can imagine, I didn't have any boundaries in this relationship. There were no great boundaries. I tolerated pretty much anything that they did. And so most of the post-breakup processing that was happening was me trying to figure out what had gone wrong and what I wanted to be different. 
And I think I managed that sort of self-reflection. Yes, I'm going to build myself up and I'm going to love myself. I think I was doing that for about (laughs) six months. And then I ended up in my next long-term dramatic, dramatic relationship. And so my second long-term relationship was with someone who was a much better partner, as in they weren't as cruel or self-serving in any way. There was a lot less selfishness. But at the same time, there was still quite a bit of toxicity because they were not a healed person themselves. They were dealing with a family history, a family background pretty similar to mine. And so they were also struggling with the same kind of mental, emotional, addictive patterns that I was waging war with in my own life. And so while the relationship was more loving than the first relationship, it still was very toxic and unsustainable. Because again, there were no great boundaries. And secondly, because we were not really matched playing the role of rescuer, like I was going to rescue them from their situation. I was going to help them get their life together. We were going to build something stable and sustainable together. But that is not a healthy dynamic either. People need to be able to stand on their own two feet independently and then be able to give of themselves to each other in a very healthy mutual capacity. And neither of us really had the strength or experience to do that yet. And so it was not a great relationship. There were still a lot of mistakes made, a lot of emotional and mental negative patterns that went on and were sort of fed by the other person's unhealed wounds. And then this relationship started to unravel because they were having a lot of mental health issues and one of their parents died and they were starting to really heavily drink and you know stay at the bars all night so it also devolved into a very toxic unhealthy space as well but the feelings i had when this relationship ended were more difficult because this person had been more loving and also because we had not been together as long as i was in the first relationship so i wasn't exhausted <laughs> i wasn't fully exhausted of all the terrible things they could have done to me as I was in relationship number one. So when relationship number one ended, I was just so done with that person that I wasn't that sad about anything. I spent the night in the trunk of a car and I had to pee in your yard. Like I was done with you probably three years before we even broke up. But the second person, we didn't have that sort of full gambit of experiences that could lead me to just be totally exhausted and done with a person. It was more of me having to make a conscious choice to walk away because I knew that it was no longer healthy and viable. And that was a little harder because, again, I was trying to learn how to interrupt the momentum of these negative patterns, these negative cycles. And if you've ever had a dramatic person in your life, you will know what I'm talking about. You'll recognize the feelings that I'm touching on when I say negative emotional cycles. So you're with them, you're together, and when you're talking to each other or you're interacting in some way, maybe you start fighting or maybe you start drinking too much with them or maybe there's too many emotions, like too much crying or whatever. It usually ends with you saying, gosh, I'm not going to let that happen again. Next time I'm going to keep good control of myself. (laughs) I'm not going to let them make me upset. But then you find yourself, you know, in the next argument or the next situation and it's happening all over again. So it feels very cyclical and it feels very like perpetual, like it's just going to keep going forever. So the most challenging part for me was interrupting the momentum so that I could stop engaging in these cycles, stop getting caught up in the drama and emotionality and the unhealthy patterns that were keeping me stuck. I certainly hope that whatever relationship you're coming out of or you're processing right now, that it is not as dramatic or toxic as everything that I've just described. But wherever you are, 
whether you're trying to work with your own momentum or you're just trying to process the residual feelings of everything that happened. Here are the key tips that I would like you to keep in mind as you move forward. Things that I hope will help you to move forward in a more healthy way. So first and foremost, if you can, and I know this is going to sound cliche, feel the feelings. Because a breakup is a form of grief, it's a form of loss, and you are absolutely entitled to take the time you need to feel whatever you're feeling after you lose this person. They're no longer going to be in your life in the capacity that you're used to, and so if that's the case, you're going to need to process whatever's coming up for you, and maybe that's disappointment, maybe that's hopelessness, because maybe you're like, oh, I'm never going to find anyone else, or maybe it's anger, maybe you're very angry at what they did, or at the situation. A lot of different emotions might be coming up for you right now and whatever they are, just try to make room for them so you can process them thoroughly, get them cleared away, don't let them get stuck and saved in your body (laughs) or in your habitual patterns, which would be the worst place for them. And again, please refer to my meditation episode and look up Tonglen, T-O-N-G-L-E-N, if you want to find a good practice for moving through negative emotions, for dealing with negativity. And I also have a lot of episodes on different emotions. So if there's an emotion particularly that you're struggling with that feels especially sticky, loneliness, anger, regret, whatever it might be, you can go back to those episodes and find some more tips that might help you to move through that. I also want to recommend that at this point in your life that you give yourself extra self-care. Treat yourself like someone has died. And in a lot of ways they have, you know, again, you might have had this person in your life for a really long time and now they're no longer going to be there in that capacity. So give yourself a lot of care and support. Treat yourself the same way you would treat someone whose loved one had died. So if you've got, you know, a parent or a friend or someone who's married, imagine that their person died. How would you speak to them? How would you help them? What would you do to try to make their life easier? And you need to apply that same level of care and loving attention to yourself because that's what you're going through. That's what you're dealing with. Read those books on loneliness and depression and listen to the podcasts or look for supportive sources that you'd need to help you have more kind and loving voices in your ear or more resources in your vicinity. Anything that you might need, give it to yourself at this time. And don't be like, oh, I shouldn't be like that. Don't talk bad to yourself. Just be supportive. Give yourself what you need to have at this time. And if there's anyone else in your life that's telling you, oh, it's not a big deal. That person was a jerk anyway. Who cares? Don't let other people diminish your feelings. If you feel like you want to die, which is certainly how I felt after several of these breakups, then that's how you feel and honor those feelings and treat yourself accordingly. We do not ask or we should not ask too much of a grieving person, right? If your best friend's partner just died, you would not be telling your friend, you know, all these things that they needed to do. You'd be like, oh my gosh, how can I help you? What can I do to make things easier? You know, you're going to get through this. Don't worry about it. Anything that you would say or give to them, you need to say or give to yourself. Do not ask too much of yourself at this time. It's also really important at this time not to internalize anything or blame yourself for anything that did or didn't happen. So after the second relationship ended, for example, well, actually in both of them, I had situations in which I was like, God, why did I do that? Or why did I let them do that? And why did this, this, and this happen? Don't beat yourself up about something that did or didn't happen. Just kind of wash your hands of it. It happened. It's done. It's in the past. It does not mean anything that you think it means. They did not leave you because you're an unlovable person. They did not leave you because you made a mistake. I make mistakes all the time and Kim and I are still together and we're still happy. People are allowed to make mistakes. 
And if you have a good, healthy, loving relationship with someone, it will absolutely be able to tolerate those mistakes along the way. So don't use this as an opportunity to talk down to yourself or treat yourself badly. Just be like, that's what happened. Look at it as that's the past and it's behind you and you don't need to revisit it and you definitely don't need to use it as proof or ammunition that you're a terrible person who doesn't deserve to be loved because none of that is true. You might also want to use this as an opportunity to get really clear on what you want in life. So for example, my early relationships, as I have clearly described, (laughs) were very toxic, very unhealthy, very dramatic, not at all what I wanted in a loving partnership because I had always envisioned the kind of marriage that I have now, which is with someone who loves me no matter what, who's very kind. We have a lot of fun together. And so that is what I'd always wanted. And I wasn't really able to articulate that that is what I was looking for in a person, that that's what I really wanted in someone, was someone who loved and respected me no matter where I was in life, until I took a break. So after that second relationship ended, I applied to a school out of state. I decided to go to that school hundreds of miles away so that I was no longer near any of these terrible exes who were bringing out the worst in me. So I moved all the way to Michigan, hundreds of miles away from where I was living at the time in Tennessee. And I started a whole new life. And not only did I start a whole new life, but I took this vow of celibacy. That's how dramatic I was at the time. I am not going to love anyone for years. (laughs) I like declared that I was not going to do anything because I didn't know that I could hold myself back from engaging in another one of those terrible emotional patterns, emotional cycles with someone. And so I was like, I'm just not going to look for anyone for a while until I figure out what I really want and I feel ready to date and, you know, I can kind of recalibrate my senses here. And so if you are going through a breakup or now you've been single for a minute, Use this as a time to get clear on what you want. And it doesn't have to be a person. You might want to focus on other things or you might have other dreams or goals or ambitions. But just use this time and opportunity to gain some clarity that it's sometimes really hard to have when you have other people in your vicinity. You know, when there's other voices, other people in the equation, it can get really confusing as to what we want. I was certainly projecting what other people wanted for me for many, many years. And so it wasn't until I was alone and I no longer had those other voices crowding in on me that I was able to gain that clarity. And then lastly, be honest with yourself. If there is genuine work that needs to be done, take the time to start doing it. After you feel a little less raw, I mean, right after you break up, obviously don't start running yourself through a grinder. That's terrible. But once you start to feel a little bit more stable, a little bit more time has passed, then maybe you can do an honest assessment of where you are. There was a lot of work for me to do after I ended those terrible relationships. I began to see a really clear pattern of mine, the kind of person that I liked, the kind of person I tended to end up in a relationship with. And there were things I needed to do to move away from that, to move away from those habitual tendencies. So if you've got something like that, that you tend to do either the kind of person you're attracted to, or maybe it's an unhealthy pattern, or maybe once you're in the relationship, maybe you do something that sabotages it, like pull away or reserve yourself. It's going to be different for as many people as there are in the world. But it wouldn't hurt to take this time to look at yourself and kind of do a postmortem and say, you know, what wasn't working here? You know, what did I not like about that? What do I think maybe... I might be doing that's keeping me from moving toward the kind of relationship that I want. And don't do it in a harsh, unkind way. 
you know, there's that episode I have called, is it self-care or self-punishment? Maybe go back and listen to that again so that you'll know what I mean when I say to do this work gently, to do this work kindly to yourself. This is not meant to be an opportunity for you to be like, and this is why I suck and I'll never be with anyone ever. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. But if there's genuine work that could be done that would help you get to a better place, this might be a great time to identify that and to start doing that work. Because again, I certainly had to do a lot of work after my old relationships in order to get me to a place where I could find a much healthier relationship and one that is much more in align with the kind of life I wanted for myself. So let those old relationships illuminate your own patterns, your own habits, and things that you might want to break free from, things that are the result of your your negative upbringing or your hard, unprocessed traumas, anything like that. Let it illuminate you. Let it be a gift on how to set yourself free. So that's all I have for you today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. And if you want to write into the show and ask for my thoughts or ideas on something else that you're dealing with, I'd love to hear from you. You can use any of my social media or you can email me at cory at coriumstrom.com and that email will be in the show notes of this episode. But otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. But until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Cory Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.